Hey, we're in wide open spaces, and uh, wide open spaces is a journey that we're taking through the book of 2 Corinthians, and today I want to talk about this concept of the brand new you, the brand new you, and uh, there's a passage that I think is so powerful and compelling, it's just two verses, but I want to read this and get started today. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16 and 17. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh or according to natural observation or just by what eyes can see and ears can hear. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, by natural observation, yet now we know him, Christ, in this way no longer. In other words, we know him on a whole different level. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Your identity how you really see yourself, the picture that you carry of you uh, on the inside of you really shapes a lot of your life. And the truth is, you and I will act out of that picture, we will think out of that picture, we'll react out of that picture. And what this passage is helping us see is that who you really are is who you are in Christ. The real you is never going to be found until you find yourself in Christ. Uh, and and I've, I, I've taught this for years, and I think it's so true. When you find God, that's when you can really begin the journey of finding yourself. You, you get this sense of identity about you were created to partner with God in life and for your life to be hidden with Christ, your life to be hidden in Christ, and that's, that's when the real you starts to emerge. And people are trying so many ways to uh, determine their identity. They're either trying to show off or they're, they're trying to do things, accomplish things, or do so many things that would determine identity for them. But real identity, real sense of who you are, a settled, fulfilled sense of who you are, comes when you find out who you are in Christ. Now, I've, I've enjoyed this past week or so watching the Olympics. Anybody watching the Olympics and enjoying it? Uh, I am. And I love the stories of, of all the different people and how they've kind of come to where they are and, um, you know, the, the sense of, of dedication and, you know, blood, sweat, and tears and the pouring out of their life uh, into becoming who they are, whether they're becoming a gymnast or whether they're becoming a, a swimmer. And by the way, I think I've seen enough swim meets. Um, they all look exactly the same to me now. And, uh, but, uh, but, you know, who they are, are they a diver, are they a swimmer, are they, you know, and, uh, and I think it would be easy once you've devoted that level of time and energy and effort to start to have that become your identity to say, I am 
who are you? Oh, I'm an Olympic diver, or, uh, or I'm an Olympic swimmer, or you, you develop that because so much of your time has been put into this. And there was an interview that was done with uh, a couple of the divers that had won uh, medals, and I wanted you to see this because what I think they are talking about is so profound and applies to what I want to talk about today. So watch this for just a moment. Amen. I would like to say that is what I look like without a shirt on as well. But uh, <laughs> it's just buried under a few layers of uh, more than I want. But I, I think this is, I think it's a compelling idea to, to help guide us through what life is really going to hold in, for us and for us to find God's best in that to say, who I am is who I am in Christ. So I'm not a diver who happens to be a Christian. Uh, that's not my sense of identity. My sense of identity is I'm in Christ and I happen to dive. And, and I think understanding that idea is so important for life because you're not a, a you're not just a, a doctor who happens to be a Christian. You are in Christ, and what you happen to do is be a doctor. So it will affect your ethics. It will affect your integrity, whether you're in business, whether you're whatever you're doing with your life. When, when your sense of identity is who I am is who I am in Christ, when, when you know who you are, when you really have a strong sense of identity, who you really are, then you know how to act out of who you are. Because if you're a businessman who happens to be a Christian, sometimes choices in business may not be so Christ-honoring, but if you know that you're living a life out of who you are in Christ, then you might make a different ethical choice or integrity choice or different relational choice because you know that who you really are is who you are in Christ. And then when you re realize that you're in Christ, it teaches you how to act, it teaches you how to think, it teaches you how to believe. It, it, is, a, it is a compelling first button on the shirt kind of thing. This passage is giving us something that, that I think is a profound concept that is super important for us to live God's best in our life. It says, we used to know Jesus after the flesh. In other words, we used to know some facts about Jesus that you, we could uh, kind of um, understand and observe. So we know Jesus was the son of a carpenter. We know Jesus was born in Bethlehem. We know Jesus was a guy who told great stories. We know Jesus is a guy who was, a, was a, an amazing and compelling leader. We know Jesus is somebody who taught really great, noble concepts. But how many of you know those facts that you could observe don't really tell the whole story about Jesus? They never really tell the true story about Jesus. And he says, we used to know Jesus by those facts, by the flesh, by natural observation, but now we know him thus no longer. We used to know him by information, now we know him by revelation. 
It, we have this revelation that Jesus is the Son of God. And you remember the story when, when Jesus was talking to Peter, Matthew chapter 16, and he says, well, who do people say that I am? You know, and he said, well, some say you're Elijah, some say you're one of the prophets, some say you're this. And, and Jesus says to Peter, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're, I say you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus' response to Peter is to say, you didn't figure this out in your head. You didn't get some pieces of information and calculate this, but my Father who is in heaven revealed, gave you a revelation, gave you an aha. Your spirit figured something out that your head didn't know yet. And he says, who do you, who do, who do you say that I am? And he says, I say that you're the Christ. It's a revelation. But what I want to talk about today, as important as that revelation is, and as vital as that revelation is, I think the question today is not just who do you say he is, but who do you say you are? Because some people will accept Jesus into their life, but they won't come to a place where they accept themselves in their life. What is your revelation of who you are in Christ? So let me give you a couple of other scriptures just to kind of lay some foundation. We're going to drill down on these a little bit later. But Revelation 2 verse 17 says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, to him I will give some of the hidden manna. And I will give him a white stone. And look at this. A new name written on the stone which no one knows but he who receives it. Isaiah 61, 62, verse 1 and 2 says, For Zion's sake I will not keep silent. Now the Bible it talks about Zion in the Old Testament. That was God's gathered people, which today is the church. For Zion's sake, for the church's sake, we could say in this day, I won't keep silent. Or for Jerusalem's sake, I will not keep quiet. This is why we're having 21 days of prayer. Right, I won't keep silent, I won't keep quiet until her righteousness goes forth like brightness and her salvation like a torch that is burning. The nations will see your righteousness, all kings your glory. And look at this, you will be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will designate. I love these ideas. You will be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will designate. Things that God speaks to your soul, visions and dreams and aspirations and how you really see yourself. You will have a new name written on the stone which no one else knows but you. I believe in this room, there are, there are visions and dreams and aspirations and ministries and families and healthy lives that are written in hearts. Nobody else actually really knows how you feel about you, what your dream is about you. 
what is really written inside of your heart. And the Bible teaches us this idea that when you come into Christ, when you give your life to Christ, when you, when you find your life hidden in Christ, you're given a new name. You're given a new identity. Old things are passed away. All things, not just religious things, but family dysfunctions pass away. Mistakes that you made in the past get pushed to the side. Things that people have done against you that have maybe shaped your image, your identity, your sense of who you are and how you live, all things become new. Verse 17 says, I love this, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. It could literally be translated a new creation. It could, it could be expanded in translation to say a new species of being. What you were before you gave your life to Christ, before your life was found in Christ, is very different than the person you are after you've given your life to Christ. And it's, it's not just that you now are the same version of you that now goes to church on occasion, but something brand new has developed in your life. Old things have passed away. The old stuff is gone. New things have come. And I don't believe this just refers to just the day that you receive Christ and just the day that you will hide your life in Christ. I believe that God wants to bring a, a new you, which will create a new day. I hope that I'm new from who I was 10 years ago. I gave my life to Christ 40 years ago, but still the aha moments, the revelations are continuing to happen to realize this is who I am in Christ now. Not just old, stale 40 years ago, but now. Everybody say now. Now, a new thing now, a brand new you. Verse 16, therefore from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. So I think the, the concept is, how do we know Jesus? Well, we know Jesus by the natural, by observation, or by our spirit, that we have this revelation. He's the Christ. He's the son of the living God. But I also think it applies to how do we know each other? Because I've got to see my friends and people who aren't my friends. In a different light than just what their job is. 
and what their role in life is, that they are in Christ. And there's something about them in Christ that is bigger, greater, beyond just what they do in life. I want to drill down, though, on this idea. How do you see yourself? How do you know yourself? What's, what's the identity of you that you carry around? Because no matter how good God is, if you don't see who you are in Him, you'll never find His best for your life. We have to see ourselves in the light of a new identity. Not just, here's, here's me trying to please God with trying to be good, but I have to literally see that when I gave my life to Christ, and as I continue to give my life to Christ, I now have this new identity this and this revelation of who I am. We have to see ourselves in the light of our prophetic potential. Not see ourselves in the light of our past failures. Not see ourselves in the light of our past sins. Not see ourselves in the light of our past shortcomings. Not see ourselves in the light of somebody else's abuse. Or somebody else's pain that they brought into us. Come on. You got to live in the light of where you're going rather than in the light of where you've been. Because if we live in the light of where we've been, if we assess ourselves, assess our life, assess our circumstances, assess our income, assess our influence, assess our relationships in the light of where we've been, All we, if we just live in that light constantly, we're just doomed to recreate the past over and over again. And I think we've got to understand this, the, the power and substance that forgiveness actually gives us. Because forgiveness isn't just God going, ah, don't worry about it. My son died on the cross for that. You can forget about it. Forgiveness literally releases you from your past. The, the story in Mark chapter 2, I don't know if you know about this one, but here is Jesus. He's in a house. He's preaching. He's teaching. The house is jam-packed. Jesus is in the house. Can't even get in the door. It's just jammed. And there's four friends who have a paralytic friend. They want to get him in front of Jesus because they know, if I could get my friend in front of Jesus, good things are going to happen in his life. That's a good, that's a good outlook. <laughs> it's a good consideration on how we can live our lives. If I get my friends to church... Good things are going to happen in their life. I get my friends in front of Jesus. 
good things are going to happen in their life. So you remember the story. They, they couldn't get in the door, so they said, Let's, we're going to tear through the roof. We're going to do whatever it takes to get our friend in front of Jesus. So they, they, lay, they put this man down in front of Jesus, and Jesus uses this as an opportunity to teach a very powerful idea. So Mark 2, verse 9, it says this, Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Arise, take up your pallet, and walk, in order that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, take up your pallet, and go home. Jesus doesn't just say to the paralytic, I forgive you, don't worry about your past, you're forgiven. He, he gives him a new identity. He releases him from his past. His identity has been paralytic. His identity is, this is who I am, and this is how I have to approach life. And Jesus not only says, I'm releasing you from any debt you owe from your sins, but I'm also powerfully releasing you from your past. You're becoming a new creation in Christ. And I don't know where this finds you today, but the truth is, I bet we all have some piece of the past that we need to be released from, some sense of identity that is tied to our past. You know, and the, you may have come from a family that you know, I got to let that go and be released from my past to move into what God has for me. You may have had a sickness that has defined your life to you. But God wants to release you from your past. There may have been a, a sin, even now, a recurring sin that is at work in your life. And God is saying, listen, I want to release you. I don't want to just say, it's okay, you're forgiven. I want to release you from your past. You, you get released from your past, and you get given a new name and a new future. Amen. Pastor Kirk, that's some good preaching right there, I tell you. <laughs> Revelation 2.17, we looked at it a minute ago, but let me take a moment. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church, which means that not everybody who's listening is listening. To him who overcomes, to him I will give some of the hidden manna. That's one thing. I will give him a white stone. That's another thing. I will give him a new name written on the stone, which no one knows, but he who receives it. I could preach a whole message on this, and I may one day. But I, here's what's powerful. God says, I'm going to give you hidden manna. I'm going to give you resources that are inspiring your soul, they're carrying you, that no one else knows about. They're going to wonder, how is he walking with peace through all of that? How is she walking with joy 
through all it. How are they maintaining a strong, positive outlook on life? Because God is giving you hidden manna, which nobody knows about. You're just feeding your soul. And you're not going to find hidden manna on CNN. It's not going to happen. And then he says, I'm going to give you a white stone, a, a fresh beginning, a brand new start. Anybody glad for fresh beginnings? No matter how long you've been at it, thank God from Monday is a fresh beginning. We're not living for the weekend. I love the weekend because church is on the weekend. But I just want to say a fresh beginning. The mercies of the Lord, the Bible says, are new every morning. And you renew your mind and you renew your outlook and you renew your perspective to say, today is a fresh start. God's given me a white stone. Whatever has been doesn't have to be forever. I can have a new beginning today. And then he says, I'm going to give you a new, a new name, which no one knows, but he who receives it. Your name, a new identity, which no one knows. See, when you're in Christ, God gives you a new identity, the identity of who you are in him. There was a man in the Old Testament named Abram, Abram's picture of himself was childless. And the Lord enters into his world and says, Abram, I'm changing your name. I'm changing your identity. You used to be Abram, childless one. Now you're Abraham, father of nations. Abram by himself, childless. Abraham in Christ in God, under God's anointing, Father of nations. New name, new identity. There was a man in the book of Acts named Saul. Saul walked around accusing the church, persecuting the church, coming against the church, thinking he was doing it in the name of God. He has an encounter with the Lord on the road to Damascus, The Bible says, and I quote, the Bible, he was knocked off his ass. (laughs) Read it for yourself. How many of you know somebody who needs to get knocked off their ass, right? Come on. Come on. (laughs) Boom. And... And he has this encounter with God, and all of a sudden, instead of being the accuser, now he becomes the apostle. Instead of becoming the destroyer, he becomes the builder of the church. Saul becomes Paul. A new name, a new identity, who he was before Christ, who he is after Christ, in Christ, is a whole different thing. Simon has this relationship with with Jesus. And the Bible tells us that Simon literally means read. 
He is pushed around by every circumstance. He is pushed around by the opinion of the crowd. He's pushed around by, by all the emotions that life throws at him. And after he has a revelation of who Jesus is, Jesus says to him, I say to you that you're no longer Simon the reed. You're now Peter the rock. Who you are in me is a very different thing than who you were outside of me. Young man named Timothy, he is, a, he is a protege of the Apostle Paul. He has grown up in a godly home, but he's a timid young man. Timidity is not your friend. Humility is your friend. Timidity is a disease. And here he is pastoring this church that's growing like crazy. Uh, some scholars say that the church that Timothy was pastoring was what could have been up to 100,000 people. And I'm going to tell you, you might think, oh, that's very cool. New levels, new devils. And a timid man is not going to be able to accomplish what God's called him to accomplish. It may be that God has put a vision inside of you that your timidity is holding you back. But Apostle Paul says to him, Hey, Timothy, listen, God hasn't given you a spirit of timidity, a spirit of fear, but he's given you a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. You can do it, Timothy. There was a young man named Gideon. Gideon, before his encounter with God, was cynical. Gideon was doubtful. Gideon was fearful. Gideon was an excuse maker. Gideon, when the, when the Lord shows up to speak to Gideon, he goes, you don't even understand. Why doesn't God do something? You don't understand me. I'm the least in my family. My family is the least. He, is, he has got everything negative. He is the most negative, cynical, doubtful, fearful guy you've ever met. And the Lord comes to him and says, now listen, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. He gives him a new identity, a new name, not just out of his performance, not just out of his past, but a new name because he's got a new day, a new season in front of him. Come on. Here's David, little shepherd boy out in the fields watching the sheep, playing his instrument. And you know those musicians. It's out there talking about their wah-wah pedal or whatever, I don't know, just doing his thing and playing the flute, whatever he's doing. Harp. And, and he's, he's just hidden away from everybody. He's a good-looking young man. He's in the background. And Samuel, the prophet, shows up and says, the next shows up to his dad, Jesse, and says, hey, listen, the next king is coming from your family. And they parade all the brothers in front, and the Holy Spirit says to Samuel, no, 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 not him, not him. He goes, is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? He says, well, I've got this one little guy out here. Him. <laughs> you know, him. I love you, Lord. <laughs> you know, it's just him. It's just this little guy. And Samuel says, well, get him, bring him out. Brings him out. Holy Spirit says, that's the one. Hey, let me say this. God knows how to find you. 
You don't have to promote yourself. God knows how to find you. He knows how to get you out of the back and into the front. And, and the truth is, he gets anointed with a new identity. He's not the little shepherd boy anymore. He's anointed the king. I'm just going to remind you that both with Abraham and David, even though God gave them a new identity, it didn't happen next week. They had to carry that identity through all the stuff. And that sometimes is exactly what God wants to do in us. But I'm going to ask you this as I try to bring this to a close. What kind of picture of yourself are you carrying around? Uh, I'm going to date myself a little bit and maybe date some of you, but anybody remember the advice column, Dear Abby? Anybody ever read Dear Abby? Let me see if you read Dear Abby. Yeah, some of you have no idea. Dear Abby, in the newspaper, some of you go, what's a newspaper? (laughs) Dear Abby, advice column, and there was a picture of Dear Abby that was 25 years old in the paper. I think there's a lot of people that are carrying around a picture of themselves 25 years old. And I'm just saying to you, when you're in Christ, God has an image of you, God has a picture of you, and he sees a different picture than other people see. He he sees a different picture than sometimes you carry around. He sees you in the light of your prophetic potential. He sees you in the light of who you are in Christ. Come on. What's your name? Fatty, fatty, two by four? What? What's your name? Pinocchio? Dumbo? Chicken legs? <laughs> Come on, the picture you hold up when your opportunities come. Is it failure? Unwanted? He tried, but he couldn't do it? Never quite good enough? I'm going to suggest to you that today would be a great day. Tear up some of those old pictures and see the picture of who you are in Christ. Amen. Failure is not your name. Redeemed is your name. Forgiven is your name. Overcomer is your name. More than a conqueror is your name. Reigning in life is your name. Would you bow your heads, please, and close your eyes for a moment? Father, as we come today, I am praying that you will go so far beyond my words and let your spirit reveal to us who we are in you. That new creation, that new species of being. I'm praying for every person who's carrying the hurt of the past, who's carrying the failures of the past is carrying that sense of inadequacy, 
from the past. Lord, I'm, I'm praying that today we will experience you releasing us from our past and bringing us into our today, into our tomorrow. Every head bowed, every eye closed, just this moment to pray together. Maybe you're here, you've never actually really given your life to Jesus. Today would be a great day to do that. Maybe you're here today and you used to be so close to God, used to be on fire, used to be passionate, but you know you're not there now. Or maybe you just feel unsure about where you stand. Come on. I just want to pray with you today. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. And I want you to signal to God, but I also want you to give me an opportunity to pray with you. Say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to come back to him, or I just want to know that I know that my life is in his hands. If that's you, would you raise your hand all over this room? God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Come on, right where you are. This isn't a call to get your act together. This is a call to open your heart to a God who wants to bring you into an amazing future. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you so much. Let's all pray this prayer together. Everyone who lifted their hand, this is for you, but let's all stand. Let's all just do this together. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I want you in my life, in my world, as my Lord. I know I've sinned. I'm sorry. I come to the cross where you paid the price to forgive me and release me from my past. This is a new beginning. As I receive Jesus as my Lord, help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, can we thank the Lord? Amen.